Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. and Good to be here. Hallelujah. I'll just, uh, I think we, we'll just pray first. Ask God to touch us. I know on everything we do and say. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you this day. We love and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your grace, and your mercy, God, that you bestow upon us each and every day. We ask you right now, God, to place your holy anointing upon this day. Everything that we do or say, God, we need you, God. We don't take it for granted, God. We can't do nothing without your holy anointing. So touch us, God. Strengthen this day, Lord God. Bless each and every one of us, Lord God. Touch every mother today. God, I pray, God, put your holy anointing upon us, Lord God. Have your way. Minister, God. Touch every bit of ministering, the Sunday school teachers, God. Touch us, God, and we will thank and praise you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Lord bless you. Hallelujah. If you will, just um, turn with me in the book of um, Matthew, Matthew 24. I just want to read. Normally when we hear this, this was Jesus speaking when he was still on the earth and um, he made this analogy. He says um, in Matthew 24, 37, he says, but as, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that was before the flood, they was eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this was speaking of the conditions of that day. That is normally what we think of when we hear a reference to Noah. We think of the conditions And that's what the Lord was speaking of, I believe, when he said this. He was talking about as in the days of Noah. And, you know, a face value, you think, you know, what's wrong with eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage? You know, that's the continuation of man. We have to do this. So, but we know basically what the Lord was talking about. They was talking about Noah was ministering and nobody was even giving any reference to what Noah was saying. In other words, life was just continuing on as if Noah was saying nothing. But that's not what I want to speak on. What I want to just make an analogy to is the man Noah and liken it to us. That just seemingly, and I hate to use the word overwhelming because it would I don't want to make it out to seem like the Lord was unfair, but the Lord gave Noah a responsibility to do. And he come down and he he spoke with Noah and he said, here is what you need to do. 
And basically, the Bible says that Noah did it. And so what I want to do is just look at what Noah had to do and us as Christians of what our responsibility is. So now, if you would, with that in mind, turn with me to the sixth chapter of Genesis. And there's a lot that could be said here, but I know I'm speaking basically to Christians, so I'm I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to jump right in. In Genesis, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to look at verse 3. This is the Lord speaking. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So the Lord just takes this. He says this right off. And he just says, I'm not going to always strive with men. They have a hundred and twenty years. And the Bible tells us, or what we know in the Bible, of what the Lord spoke to Noah. God spoke to Noah 392 words before the flood. 377 words after the flood. Now, did he speak more to that that's not recorded? Possibly. All we know is what the Bible records. This is what the Bible records that he spoke to Noah, that the Bible says. Now, the God, where the Lord says, man's day shall be 120 years, what I believe, I'm just a simple man, what I believe literally that means, from what I know about God And what I have learned about God and his mercy, I believe God just looked at the human capability of Noah because what do we say all the time? We are the hands and we are the feet. God gave Noah a responsibility. He looked at Noah and he says, if you want to get out of this alive, you must build an ark. It's gonna take you in the knowledge that I have. I'm just looking at it through human eyes. It's gonna take you 120 years to build this ark. And here's the thing, and, I, and I'm going to speak about this later. It's going to take you 120 years to build this ark without compromise, to build this ark according to the way I tell you to build it. So that's what I believe. That's where the 120 years come in. It's just man's day is going to be 120 years. And then there's a scripture in, in, in uh, it's either First or Second Peter when it says the long suffering of the Lord waiteth while the ark was being prepared. In other words, God waited for, for Noah to build the ark. And as he was building the ark, he says to do this, construct this. So God waited. And then the Bible tells us even that the Bible even says when you go on down in, um, in chapter uh, 6 and verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then we know the next verse after that, it says Noah was perfect in his generation and Noah walked with the Lord. Now, do I believe that Noah was a perfect man in the way that we speak perfect? No, I don't believe he was perfect. But what I believe that means is just like um, the Bible says that every imagination of the heart was man was evil. Time he got up to the time he went to bed, all he thought about, all he wanted to do was evil. And then here you take a righteous man, set him in the middle of that, and hear that righteous man, what is the song that we sing? Cover me. That from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, God, I am in the world of sin, so I need you to cover me. And it said Noah found grace. If he finds grace, he is looking for grace. Not that that grace just fell on him. I'm not, and I'm not speaking evil of the Lord, but what it says Noah found grace, 
Noah went looking for grace. He said, God, I'm not satisfied being in this world of sin. I need you, as we would say, to cover me. This is all around me. I'm not satisfied living in this world of sin that I am. I want you to help me. And that's why I believe God said, I have seen righteousness before me in this generation. So he takes Noah. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was looking. He was seeking. He was asking God, God help me. And when it says that Noah was perfect, I believe that Noah was perfect in seeking God and seeking everything that he could do to escape the evil that was around him. So he takes and he, he, he tries to do this. And in uh, the sixth chapter, the 18th verse, this is what the Lord says to Noah. He says, and, but I want you to notice this. He says, but with thee, but with you, Noah, I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy son's wife with thee. Now, there's a, there's a word here that's not been used in the Bible up to this point, and that word is covenant. But God said, something is fixing to happen on this earth so drastic to humanity that I need to make a covenant. And with you, Noah, is who I'm going to make it with. Now, take notice, that's the way God starts it out. I'm going to make it with you, Noah. So he takes out, and he says, with you, Noah, I'm going to establish my covenant, and we find out later what that covenant is. So he tells him to build the ark. He said, and we know it in our English terms, 450 foot long, 75 foot wide, 45 foot high. Now, if you look at that in ratios, now 450 divided by 75, that's six to one. Now, what I found out is that naval, enge naval engineers has used this formula for years. That's a six to one. In other words, length divided into width. They've used this formula for years to, desi to design ships. Whether, whether it's just a, a, a carrier or cargo ship or a battleship, that design is for optimum stability. And they have used this. What God told him to build the ark, well, in essence, they just copied. So God told him, this is what I want you to build this ark in with so he tells him and in the 11th and excuse me in the 7th chapter in verse 11 it says in the 600th year of Noah's life the second month the 17th day of the month the same day were the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open I don't know why I have just always envisioned here's Noah he builds this ark and he's just out there floating around and I'm, I've just got to read and I got to study this. And this was no picnic. I mean, when you read, there's a, a website that I go on. It's just Christian uh, scientists. And they, where it says here in the 11th, where it says the fountains of the great deep broke up. I mean, there's just some figures that it's just so phenomenal to me that I won't even quote. Not that I don't believe them. They're just so astounding to me. It, what they say the pressure of the water was as it gushed out. We do know that when you take pressure and water, what it will do. There is nothing more destructive than water and wind. So when you take this, and that where they say the Bible says the fountains of the great deep 
was broken up. Now, when Noah was on the earth and God told him to build the ark, and then basically when you fast forward to the time, he was in the ark 371 days, and then when he stepped off the ark, off the ark, he didn't recognize the earth. I mean, literally, I, I believe, me personally, I believe the earth was nothing like it looked. I believe there, the mountains that was there was gone. And I believe there was mountains where there was not mountains. Because the water, the Bible says that the, 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 the water was covered the mountains to a certain extent. There was so much. There's been skeptics that's wrote articles that says, where did all the water come from? And then they, they have took and they have done research and they have said that if you took and laid the earth out flat, there is enough water to cover the earth to an amount of 7,500 feet. So that the water is there. The water is in the earth. The water is above the earth. That's why God said, I'm going to split the water. I'm going to have the water here on earth and I'm going to have the water in the heavens. And so the water was there. So in building this ark, it was just really and truly a tremendous job. God told him what we have in the Bible is just a few words. For such a drastic change that's happening to humanity, it was just overwhelming. And I, there again, I just apologize for using that word. This just something that God come down, he's seen, I believe, literally. He's seen Noah, where the Bible says he found grace. Here is this man seeking God, and God looks at him, and I believe literally he spoke to the angels and he says, that man, that man I can work with. Noah found grace. So he tells him, you build this ark. And for some unknown reason other than just, what would it be if God come down to you and gave you this task and says, you build this ark and, and it's just, what do you do? What do you do with this overwhelming task? And it's just, I'm no carpenter. I don't know how to put this together. And it's your very life. The life of your family is going to depend on this. You have to build this ark. You have to build it according to the print. If you don't, you are going to die. You are going to watch your family drown if you don't. And then Noah says, the Bible literally says, Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. He did it. He did not say we have nothing recorded where Noah says, you know, I don't really know about this. God, I don't know. You've put more on me than I can bear. Noah did it. Noah did it. That's the analogy that I want to take and apply to us. Sometimes our job seems overwhelming. It is just what the Lord, the responsibility that we have. The Bible told us, go to all the ends of the earth. Do everything you can. Say everything you can. Be the witness you are called to be. And sometimes when we think our job is overwhelming, go read about Noah. Go read about Noah. Read about when he stepped off the ark, off the ark and, and the earth literally was changed and it's just nothing. Everything was green and beautiful and when he stepped off the, uh, off the ark, everything was mud. The Lord had sent a wind and dried it out, but everything was brown. Where do you start? Where do you start? God had put something in him to believe him. God said, you do this. I'll make a way. I'll make a way where there is no way. So God's taking him. He is doing this. And then he takes, and it's just not. It is just not that he takes. And then I believe literally, literally, I believe 
that when he takes in the ark and then when he brings his family in and, and, we're, we're, and here again, I believe this is just pure and simple mercy. The Bible says that God moves on the animals. They go in the ark. The Bible says that God shut him in right then and right then, I believe that grace was over. The wrath of God started and the Bible says that God put him in seven days before the first drop of water hit. Now here again, I read into that pure and simple mercy in Noah's behalf because I believe in my way of thinking, God said, I am not about to put him in the ark and put him in this storm and just immediately. I'm gonna give him seven days to get accustomed to the ark and the animals. That's just the way I look at it. Now, it could be another reason. Who knows? That's just the way I see it. But this I do know. God did put him in the ark and shut the door seven days before the first drop of rain hit. Now, after seven days, it started raining. This I do know. They had never seen a rain. Here he is preaching. The Bible called him a preacher of righteousness. Here he is trying to preach to a, a, a crowd that I believe has never even seen a cloud. The Bible says they've never seen it rain, so why would they be clouds? That's just me. I believe he's trying to convince people it's going to rain and tell people that clouds is going to form, and he's trying to tell people that they've never even, something that they've never even seen, that he has never even seen. So they're taken, and they come up, and it starts to rain. And then all of a sudden... They just feel the first impact on the ark. And then you can just see it. You can just see it in the eyes. And just bam. They feel the impact. The waves are starting to hit. The waters. I mean, they're sealed in. God shut them in. They're sealed in. I believe right there. And you see these right here? We are not the architect. I didn't come up with this, but God told me if I would build this vessel according to these prints, that whatever storm come my way, that this vessel would not go down. This vessel would not sink. So we are not the architect of this vessel. 2015, you see this? We are not the architect. We are not the architect of this. We are ridiculed. We are just called on all about it. But I tell you what, we didn't write this. We didn't come up with this. This is not our theology. This is not our doctrine. This, we are not just saying there's one God to be different. We are not saying we baptize in Jesus' name just to try to create a, a controversy. This is the word of God. And he said, if you will build your life on this, you will stand a test of storm. This vessel that you build, you look at it every day. You are the vessel that's being built. Just as Noah built a vessel, you are the vessel that's being built. You look at the vessel every day. You look in the mirror. You are the one. 
You are the one that's building the vessel every single day. And when you build your life on this, this is what you've got to build your life on. And when you build your life on, because I'm telling you, there is a storm coming. And when this storm hits, no matter what happens, you can tell yourself, your family, those that you love, I have based everything I've done not on the philosophy of man, not on the tradition of man, but I have based everything I have done on this word. They say we do it. It does not matter. It does not matter how many people say you should do this or you should do that. What I've got to base my life on is this, according to the prince. The main thing is did you build your life according to the specifications in this. We live in a world and a philosophy is you're not telling me what to do. We're not trying to tell nobody what to do. All we're trying to do is live according to the prince. If the prince says to do it, do it. We're not telling nobody nothing what to do. All we're saying is live according to the print because the print will stand the test of time. That this is this is the one, the print that I got to base my life on, because I'm telling you, this is what is going to stand the test of time. So he took, he asked, he did this. Now he did this. His very life, his very life depended on this. So when they came, when his children came and looked at him, Noah could take and he could do this. Now, the thing of it is, did you build it? Did you build it with no compromise? Did you compromise in your vessel? Did you build it with no compromise? Did you give in? Because I believe when the storm was hitting and everything was going wrong, as they thought, I believe his sons could have told him, that's why you wouldn't accept the boards that we cut short. That's why you wouldn't let us do nothing wrong because everything had to be fitly framed together. Why you wouldn't let us take shortcuts. The world is telling us, I don't believe you have to do all of this y'all say you have to do. And, we're, and there again, it is not what we say that the world has to do. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. But this is not us. This is what God said to do. And this is what I'm basing my life on because the vessel that I'm building, I want to face the storm. I want to face the storm. So he takes and he gives them this. He puts them in the ark and he tells them to do this. He says, get in the ark. I'm going to put you in the ark. And then he's going to make that covenant. And we know that covenant to be the rainbow. And I've never even, I just dawned on me, I've never given you my title. And my title is 180 over 360. And basically it's 180 degrees over 360 degrees. And that'll make sense in a minute, hopefully. What God had done, what the one thing I didn't read in the beginning where God had got, and I don't know nothing but human language, but God had got so tired of the sin 
He just said, I'm going to destroy it all. Noah found grace. He just said, I'm going to destroy everything. He did. But he said, and here again, I think his mercy, just as put Noah in seven days before the flood started, here I look at it as mercy. I can't let Noah come out of the ark and not give him nothing. He's going to look at a world like he's never seen before. So I got to give him something. And God chose a rainbow. He said, I'm going to give him a rainbow to let him see something beautiful. And what we see is from horizon to horizon. In other words, we see 180 degrees. When we look at a rainbow, that's what we see. And then the Lord tells him, he says, go out and look at this. And what's amazing to me is if I ever get in a situation that I think that has overwhelmed me and I literally pray and I just say to the Lord and mean this, that there's nothing good that can come out of this. And I pray and believe that, then I've literally, as we would say, tied the hands of the Lord if I really believe that in my heart. Because what's amazing to me is God chose water to destroy the earth. So he took this water. And there's, I remember the first time I heard this. It's been a long time ago, but I've never forgot it. And the man was ministering, and he just made made this simple comment. He says, there's the same amount of water that they've always been. And I've never forgot that. And I thought, here the Lord takes water to destroy the earth. And then when Noah comes out, he gives him this rainbow. And what is a rainbow? Well, when you read about a rainbow, it's drops of water in the cloud. And it's just the reflection and the refraction, or the words, the physics of the water and all the bending. And I thought, here's the Lord. He takes the same water that he used to destroy the earth. And when Noah steps out of the ark, the same water that he used to destroy the earth, he gives him this beautiful rainbow. And he lets him see it. And I thought, man, I can't never get in a situation where I would just concrete the Lord in and just tell him, there's nothing good that could ever come out of this. I may, I may can see nothing good that come out of it. But don't never tell the Lord there's nothing good that can come out of it. Because here God took and he says his, the token of his covenant would be the rainbow. God said, I will give you the rainbow as a token of my covenant that I'll never do this again. In fact, God even went so far. He said, I'll make a covenant with the earth. He said, I won't even do this to the earth again with the animals. God made a covenant, and he says, this is it. So he takes, and he says, we have this. We have this covenant. Now, I've read that the the rainbow, the prismatic colors is red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, the seven colors. Literally, what's amazing, really, is that here is the water 
that is held in the clouds and you think, well, the, to start with, the laws of nature are ordained by God and are subject to God. But how can the water, I don't even know, how can the water, the drops of water, it's not water vapor, it's water. Water is heavier than air. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I can't, I can't answer that. All that I know is God said, I'm going to separate I'm going to separate the water. And so he takes and he lets the water be in the clouds. He gives us, he gives us there. The cloud is composed of liquid drops of water and not water vapor. So he has this. But the one thing that's truly amazing that um, I want to read It is okay. Recently discovered by our modern scientists, they actually discovered something. Is that um, air? actually has a weight to it. Air actually has weight to it. But I don't know how long ago I tried to find out of Job. I don't know. I'll just guess. And I'll say 3,300 years ago. I don't really know exact date. But I do know Job was written a long time ago. But listen to what God anointed the writer of Job to say. This is what Job said. For he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight of the winds and he weigheth the waters by measure. If they had asked Job, he could have told them 3,300 years ago that the air has weight. But they've just literally discovered that air literally has weight to it. And then what is amazing is that when you read in the book of Job is that it, in Job, Job was written not long after the flood, but the the book of Job has more references to snow and ice than the rest of the Bible combined. Because Job, there's a lot of insight in there in the book of Job written such a long time ago and but one thing I know is speaking of Noah God gave him this task he did it the ark when the foundations of the deep was broken up it was not just a simple flood the earth literally broke apart Water gushed out. I mean, it was literally an overwhelming flood. God pinned them in. They shut it. God said, I'm going to give them something. I'm going to make a covenant with them. He made a covenant with Noah. And then he later said, 
he made a covenant with them. And then he later said for perpetual generations, he's going to make it to everyone from right on. And then he said, when they got out, he had this rainbow. He said, I'll give you this rainbow. That will be the token of my covenant. I'm going to do that. That's why. And that's why I say we only see, we only get to see 180 degrees of it. We only get to see 180 degrees. In the book of Revelation 1 and 8, the first chapter is basically dealing with John. He takes, and it's basically the, the Lord, the very first phrase is the revelation of Jesus Christ, but he's telling John, he says to write, write this, write this down, write what you see, write this down. In the 8th, Revelation 1 and 8, he said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. The Lord uses that phrase quite often. He says it quite often. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. He uses the first and the last a lot. But he's telling John, write this down. Write it down. I am the first. I am the last. I'm the beginning. I'm the ending. So he's telling them, write it down. Write it down. Use this. So he tells him, John, you read on literally at this description, this vision that John is having. Literally, John just, as we would say, basically, I guess, passes out, as we would say. And then in the 18th verse, or excuse me, 17th, John, just within himself, he said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me saying, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last. So he tells him, he see, when, when John fell out, he laid his right hand. In other words, he laid his hand of authority, his, the hand of strength upon him. He says, you got to write this down. you got to come back to me as we would say. Write this down. Write this down. And then he says, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last. And to me, I was just thinking about that. The Lord just tells him that over and over. I am the first and I am the last. And this is about the Lord. This is speaking about Jesus. And he just goes on with that. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Just speaking about Jehovah. And just speaking about the Lord, I am the first and the last. And to me, what that really means when he's telling John, he said, I am the first and I am the last. To me, that he says, I am the first. In other words, I am the spirit and I am the flesh. I am the first and I am the last. I am the spirit and I am the flesh. And then he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. In other words, I have the authority of hell and death. And then he takes the second and third chapters, is basically write this down according to my churches, tell this to my churches. And in, in, in closing, in the fourth chapter, go with me 
to chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, And this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice, first voice which I heard, as it was a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And then he says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And this is the verse I've been waiting to get to. And he that sat on the throne was to look upon as Jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now here is the Lord God Almighty, the majestic God, his throne God Almighty. There's a time coming, as the Bible says, like no other time that's ever been on planet earth, but God said. But God said, John, you write this down. Before this comes, you tell my people that I hadn't forgot. All they see is a 180. But you tell them. You tell them I circle my throne. That all you get is a 180. But I circle my throne with this. That round my throne is a rainbow. I am the almighty majestic God. I can do what I please. But I chose to put a rainbow around my throne that it never leaves me. It never goes away. I don't know about you, but I want to see the other half of the rainbow. I want to see the other half. All I've seen is half but I want to see the other half and God that can do anything he pleases. He said, I've let you see half, but I have the other half. And he says, I live with this. This circles my throne. I hadn't forgot. And John, you write it down. You tell my people before this apocalypse starts that I hadn't forgot, that it stays with me. It never leaves me, that I hadn't forgot. This is my covenant. So I would say to you, when the storm leaves and you go outside and you see the rainbow, don't say this is a covenant that God made with Noah. This is the covenant that God made with me. God made this covenant with me. And the other half of this is waiting on me. This, this circle is around the throne and God is waiting on me to see the other half. All we have is 180 over 360. But I'm telling you, the other, the other half, God has, and it's waiting on us. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.